This podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberry with no ease dot com. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Transpersonal Radio with Angela Lynn Gibson. Remember, your thoughts upload your reality. Think wisely and always prepare to ignite. Welcome. Welcome to Transpersonal Radio. Transpersonalradio.com. Real talk for real life. Inspiring podcasts. Exploring personal empowerment. empowerment. And transformation. Through parapsychology, spirituality, and how your thoughts upload your reality. And now your host, Angela. Angela L. Gibson. First of all, thank you for listening, and a big thank you to my loyal listeners who have stayed with me throughout the years. Welcome to all you new listeners. I've been producing Transpersonal Radio since 2010, not without challenges for sure, but I'm proud that I'm in the sixth year of Transpersonal Radio and it continues to get better every year. I'm going to ask my listeners to do me a favor. If you find value in this podcast, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, or download the iPhone app or Android app. And please, share this radio show with anyone you think may find it helpful, thought-provoking, or interesting. Also, please leave a great review for me on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spreaker, as that will help the reputation of the show and get it recognized by a wider audience. There's a lot of work that goes into creating and producing a podcast and radio show. Here's the thing, folks. Over the years, I've had some really amazing guests on this show who speak from their core, who get real, who speak from a place of authenticity and integrity. These guests bring their A-game, providing you with quality content that can really make your life better. So by telling everyone you know about Transpersonal Radio and getting the word out, these guests really can make the world a better place. Thanks again for listening. Hello, hello, Transpersonal Radio listeners. Well, here we are into March 2016 already. And today in the United States, this is a huge day with Super Tuesday well underway for the 2016 presidential election. Make sure you get out and exercise your right to vote. This is really important, especially this election cycle. And don't forget, also go out, knock on doors, phone bank, face bank, tweet, do whatever else you have to do to help mobilize your family, friends, coworkers, and neighbors to vote as well. Speaking of being mobilized and motivated to take action, you are going to enjoy tonight's guest who has been extremely successful in helping others become extremely successful. My guest, Richard Scott, hails from the UK and currently lives in Brisbane, Australia. Richard combines psychology, neuro-linguistic programming, and cognitive behavioral therapy with traditional and modern hypnosis to deliver a more effective solution to his clients at MindWorks Therapy. Richard's highly successful techniques are world-renowned with clients spanning over 30 countries, including celebrities, world champion sports athletes, members of royalty, X-Factor finalists, members of government and special forces, soldiers, and even everyday people from all walks of life. As a mindset coach, clinical hypnotherapist, and psychotherapist, Richard has helped thousands of people successfully create and achieve their highest goals for personal and professional accomplishments and prosperity. His clientele over the last 10 years has ranged from 6-year-olds to 83-year-olds. 
If you suffer from stress, anxiety, depression, or panic attacks, or experience low confidence or phobias, or need to manage addictions, weight issues, or motivation issues, Richard is going to share some insight that will focus your mindset and change your life. Because of Richard's repeatedly proven track record, he has been featured prominently in local, national, and global press, and has also been interviewed in numerous uh, numerous times on various live radio. And tonight, I would like to welcome you to Transpersonal Radio, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I want to meet this guy. He sounds amazing. He sounds incredible. <laughs> And just think, he's on the show tonight. Yay. I'm, I'm listening. I'm definitely listening. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I grew up in East Anglia, Suffolk, near Bury St. Edmunds. So I always love to have folks from the motherland on my radio show. That's a real treat. Excellent. Yes, yes, yes. Let's start out by talking a little bit about your early childhood, Richard, and your transition from being what you describe as a painfully shy child to eventually building such a rewarding life. Wow. Yeah. Um like you said, painfully child, uh, painfully shy child. Um, I was always hiding around my mother's legs whenever she walked anywhere. I'd be clinging mm. to her legs, really, really shy. Um, funnily enough, I was sitting down watching TV one day and I saw a Bruce Lee movie. You know, Bruce Lee, the Kung Fu guy? Oh, yeah. And I just, I enjoyed every second of his confidence, the way he, the general style of his shows, his films. He's always usually like an outcast or a really shy guy. But he knows he's got this inner confidence and this inner talent. And I just loved the whole notion of that, being someone who's fairly quiet or introvert, but knowing you have this power inside you. Mm. Um, at that point, I was eight years old. Um, I started learning karate and uh, I achieved a black belt by 13 years old. I was wow. that, that obsessed with it. <laughs> I loved every second of it. From that point onwards, I had this unique kind of almost like a kinship. I knew I had this power within me, this confidence within me. Um, but outside, I was fairly reserved and quiet. I was a, I was a people watcher. Ah, um, yes. Always, always very creative, but I was always watching people, seeing how they behaved, how they interacted. And it quickly led to me becoming quite creative. Um, I always wanted to express something, whether it's artistic and... So my education led me down the, the design and creativity and arts design creative studies path. And I moved into advertising and marketing and persuasion. Mm. People often ask me, how did you get into what you do now? But my basic career was all about advertising, getting a message across to people, um, whether it's almost succinctly, very subliminally, or whether it's really big, in-your-face, powerful, descriptive words, hypnotic words. And I was really good at it. So I worked my way up to co-owning a design agency, working for global brands, getting the message across, uh, like I said, sometimes very subtly or sometimes really powerfully in your face. Um, I've basically made millions of dollars for other people. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and um, I got to a point where it kind of became almost boring to me. Uh, I, I liked doing the job, but it wasn't really servicing anyone to apart from giving them money. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to help people. I wanted to use my skills of persuasion to help people. Well, and you certainly so, have done that. I mean, we've got, yeah. you've got quite a list here with celebrities <laughs> and X Factor finalists and members of government yeah. and, and members of royalty. I mean, it's... <laughs> it wow. started off small. It started out a single startup business. Um, me learning all about NLP, hypnosis, CBT, all of the kind of positive psychological elements, the modalities. Mm -hmm. And because I'm of that mindset, I like to study them. I like to really get involved with them. 
and I found a way of combining them. Uh, so like I said, I started off small. I based my office on the campus of a university and I had the psychology department at the university coming to see me when they heard <laughs> of some of the people who came to see me themselves. Um, and I ended up treating some of the main psychology professors. Um, Outstanding. And some, some of these people are like globally renowned psychologists. But the way I've combined certain elements, um, it's, it's sparked something new in their minds. And then they then teach their psychology students. Fantastic. fantastic. Wow. <laughs> so, let's, <laughs> so let's get into that because that's, that's yeah. super exciting. Now, again, you, you cover so many areas. So we won't yeah. have time to address them all this evening. You'll have to come back on the show again. But I'd love to dive a little deeper into some of the more common struggles people deal with. And yeah. since we're right about the time where New Year's resolutions have fizzled out, let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> What's the psychology behind New Year's resolutions and why do they stop working? I think it's resilience. There's usually a couple of answers. It's, it usually boils down to you either haven't got a clear plan um, or your plan seems too big. You haven't broke it down. So it's either the plan or it's a resilience factor. Yeah. So my my fir- the two main things that I teach people is plan it, plan it to death, shoot for the stars, aim for a massive goal or an achievement, and then break it down into smaller, more achievable steps. Um, if people have heard of the, um, like in a business model, you would usually get a smart set of goals. That would be something specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-framed. Mm. Um, it breaks down into that little abbreviation, that nice. acronym. And it basically means you you set yourself absolutely specific goals. You find out a way to measure them. This could be um, either the amount of dollars you're bringing in, the amount of weight you're losing. Uh, if it's to do with performance, it could be the speed that you're running or the distance that you're covering or how far you're throwing something. Um, but whatever, you're trying to make it specific and measurable. And check that it is actually achievable and that you don't have to be superhuman to do it. <laughs> yes. It's, it's got to be achievable and realistic so that you know you can achieve it. Um, it may be way off in the distance, but you know when to break it down, you can do small steps in the right direction every day, taking action, and you know you're going to get there. And then give it a time frame. Say, by this time next year, I'm going to be doing this. By this time, 10 years down the line, almost like a business plan. See the bigger picture. Excellent. Um, shoot off into the distance, but then break it down. The, the the resilience factor, the, the other prong of the, the fork, as it were, it's when something goes wrong. Let's say, I don't know, let's say weight loss. You, you start on a regime. You might want to hit the gym, um, let's say, three times a week. Uh, you might put yourself on a healthy eating plan. Notice I didn't say the word diet. Yes, thank <laughs> it's you. It's a healthy eating plan. <laughs> Um, yeah, but something goes wrong. Yeah, you either have a day where like, you feel ill or a day where the gym is closed and you haven't managed to achieve that certain goal. And some people are in that mindset where, oh, crikey, this has gone wrong. Everything's going wrong. It's a big catastrophe. Oh, I'll never recover from this. They don't have that mindset to um, just to be resilient. OK, I haven't been able to go to the gym today. I'm going to put in an extra 15 minutes tomorrow. Or instead of going to the gym, I'm going to do something else constructive instead. Something else that would work maybe towards my goal. I might do some research if it's to do with weight loss. I might figure out a new form of healthy eating. Just some form of forward momentum that's not necessarily what you planned. Just keep on going, keep on pushing. 
But some people find that hard and they catastrophize over it. If something goes wrong, they don't have that resilience. Mm -hmm. So those are the two main things that why goals don't actually become reality. That's fantastic. And, you know, I can relate because for myself, I have a tendency to have a 30 item to do list. I get completely overwhelmed. (laughs) And and then what happens is as I just completely shut down and I don't do any of it. And then I go into a guilt cycle and or an anxiety cycle or (laughs) right or an insomnia cycle. And then it gets worse. And and now, like you said, uh, uh, the one thing I do have is resilience because eventually I'll pick myself up and say, all right, onward, forward. But but I get where you're coming from. And, and you are so right because a lot of the people, as you said, they catastrophize. It's worst case scenario. Or they do this, uh, oh, well, I missed the gym today. Might as well not go tomorrow. And uh, screw it. Now I'm going to eat the donuts. and uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Comfort eating. Yeah, <laughs> right. that usually follows the catastrophe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But, but excellent, excellent advice to to stay on track, whether it's New Year's resolution or just general goals. I think you outlined just really beautifully how people can actually achieve those goals. Yeah, people usually, they mention New Year's resolution, but it doesn't have to start at New Year. It can start right now, this very hour, this second. You can set a goal and you can work towards achieving it. I think the main the main reason people kind of pick the say the first of a month or new year it's just because it is a, a first of something it's mm-hmm. easier to track I, I started at the beginning of this month i started at the beginning of the year um nice. but you you can start right now just as easy and just say okay i'm a, i'm a little of the way into uh january or february or march but you roughly say yeah i started in february i started in march i started whenever but some the people like to, to be start. so precise. Yeah, take action. <laughs> <Yes>. Do something. <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic. Let's talk about addiction. Uh, this is a big one. It's Whether it's alcohol or drug addiction, it's really difficult for a lot of people. And advertising movies and television seem to romanticize alcohol use or abuse. So there are a lot of mixed messages around it. And you, you have this sort of... Well, you know, celebrities do it and and it's on television and it's in media and it's, you know, it's glamorous and it's what's the harm. And next thing you know, we've got uh, symptoms, causes, what there are all kinds of things that fall apart. So walk us through some of the symptoms of actual alcohol or drug abuse and uh, or dependence, because I think another thing that happens is sometimes people think, oh, well, I don't really have a problem. I'm, I'm not really dependent, but yet they are. So yeah. talk about that and then some of the causes of that and then obviously the treatment. Yeah. Um, basically, people will go into this situation when they're facing stress. It's behind most of the symptoms that I've seen people for, and we're talking thousands now. Um, stress mm-hmm. and anxiety has been a key factor. And... Um, I usually, in my consultations, I bring out a sheet of paper with about 50 different symptoms on. And I, I make a little joke out of it saying to the, the client, okay, put a ring, put a little circle around which symptoms apply to you. Mm. And I've had people circle every single one of them, some maybe two or three of them, some 10 or 15. And these symptoms are broken down into certain columns. They could be physical symptoms, psychological, emotional, behavioral And behind everything, when they've circled it all, I say these are all down to stress. Whatever it's come out as, it's stress that's caused this. Now, some people, like I mentioned, they could go into the physical form of symptoms. They could go into behaviors. The behaviors, when you're stressed, sometimes they can 
you can reach out for comfort. You can reach out for things to pacify you, like a, a baby would reach for his pacifier or, or dummy, as they're called in the UK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be anything that could could bring about this change of uh, almost like emotion or a distraction. Smoking, mm. for instance, um, all of these little forms of addictions and habits, mm. they're usually from a stress base. If someone has been through a, let's say, a trauma event, it could be when they were a child and the brain has locked this trauma event down, trying to forget about it, to let people get on with their life. But it's like this little seed buried right down in the middle of their mind, buried deep in the subconscious. So they're almost not aware of it. They just know that there's something not quite right and they need to placate themselves with it. Mm. Um, sometimes they've been isolated. They're, they're dependent on it because it's their friend. It's the only one that pays them any attention, the only one that makes them feel good. Uh, there are a variety of things that can go wrong in people's lives where they reach for these things instead of talking to people about it. Um, environmental factors, peer pressure, friends, people start smoking usually at a very young age because their friends do. And it's not often that they're alone when they just jump onto smoking. Um, to do with weight loss, people comfort eat and they become addicted to certain types of food. Yes. Let's say chocolate because it has chemicals that make you feel good. Um, just like exercise can promote the same kind of chemical in, in your brain. Uh, a bar of chocolate can promote the same kind yes. of chemical reaction. So you feel good after, after both. Only the exercise tones your muscles and chocolate puts masses of sugar into your system. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. But yeah, there are many, many causes. And what I would do is when people came to see me with particular addictions, I would work backwards. I would ask when it started. And usually we would track back to a key point in their life when something happened. They were bullied, they were abused, uh, they were put on the spot and embarrassed. Something went wrong. And at that point, their mind wanted something to hold on to, to make them feel good. Mm. And then so it becomes think, a habit. Yeah. The more you do it, the better you feel. And so you think you feel better. But actually, in the case of things like smoking, it's actually poisoning you. Um, mm-hmm. Overeating, it's killing you. Um, but they, it's, it's a term called cognitive dissonance, where you know you're doing something wrong and you shouldn't be doing it, but you're getting a good feeling from it. Mm-hmm. So it, it almost balances it out. Um, I shouldn't be doing this, but it tastes so good. No, I shouldn't be, but it tastes so good. Oh, I'm going to have one slice of cake. Just one. Yeah. And then another. another. (laughs) So yeah, I would track it back to when it first started. What was that trigger point? What was that initial sensitizing event? And like I mentioned before, it could be some kind of trauma and we work through that trauma. But because I know so many different modalities, it's, it's almost like you don't have to relive that trauma. If you were to see a psychologist or a traditional psychotherapist, you would do lots of talking mm-hmm. around why stuff happened. Um, but you're doing it from a conscious perspective, um, this conscious mind that's aware of everything that's going on here and now. The way I do it is I use, um, usually I would use hypnotic techniques where I would get you into a really relaxed frame of mind. And your conscious, critical, doubting mind tends to just get relaxed as well. And the real you can come out. And the real, real reasons can be exposed. Uh, and of course, it's all completely, strictly confidential. Um, yeah, 
absolute confidentiality clauses everywhere. Fantastic. So whatever is disclosed, it's unless you're harming someone or something else, um, it's completely between us. And and we just drill down to the the cause and what what the effect leads to, and we reframe it. And it's it's usually as easy as that. People have come to me with addictions over sixty years, and we've just gone back to this root cause and within a couple of hours, absolutely gone. Outstanding. And their addiction has gone or their phobia has gone within a couple of hours of just retraining your mind. It's, it's amazing. Like, I'm still amazed by, by the modalities every day, every time I do something. It's isn't fantastic. it amazing? Because it's, you get to be a witness as well to the transformation and just be in awe of, of how it all yeah. works. Yeah. I'm, I'm often telling clients when they say, oh, you've helped me, you've changed my life completely. And I say, no, you've done the work. Mm-hmm. I've just taught you from what I've learned. I've taught you how to do it and you've done it. So good on you. Yes. And, and it, it empowers them. Mm-hmm. And they go off and they tell other people and help other people and hopefully pay it on, pay it forward. Pay it forward. There seems to be, Richard, a lot of rising frustration, anger, and tension these days. That's painfully clear here in the United States right now with our, yeah. our corrupt political system, the banking system, Wall Street, the protracted recession, unemployment, crushing student loan debt. People need to have healthy ways to deal with their anger and express their concerns in a way that they can be heard. Tell us about some of the different types of anger and some tools for managing or dealing with our own anger or dealing with others who are angry. Wow. Um, (laughs) Big topic. Mm -hmm. Usually we'd think of anger as like really irrational outbursts or heightened levels of stress, um, just coming out, manifesting. Mm -hmm. And you can have, you can have like a, a passive anger where people express it almost like in a passive way. They, something happens, they bottle it down, and then later on they, they react somehow. And that, that can really affect relationships, that one, where you don't actually react in the situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're not confident enough to be assertive in that situation, so you bottle it up, and later it, you react on someone that you trust or someone that you love. And it's not directed at them, but they take it as if it's directed at them. Mm-hmm. And that's quite often how relationships break down. You can, you can be overly stressed and just become overwhelmed, almost have a breakdown when too much is going on and you just become angry at everything. Um, you can, when you face uh, situations like guilt, something happens, you feel really guilty. Um, you, can, you can be angry at yourself. And that can spiral into self-sabotage, self-harm, uh, anxiety and depression, uh, even suicide. This anger is a, it's a really vast subject. Mm-hmm. So many environmental factors. It could be some, somebody driving in front of you that breaks too hard. And you don't see that they've nearly hit that old lady that was crossing the road. All you see is that they've stopped in front of you and you've nearly hit them. So you're blaming them for for all your anger you're venting it at them Mm -hmm. but they've actually done something that's that's good (laughs) they've not run over somebody right 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 but you personalize it and then yeah you either personalize it or you just vent it at everyone Mm -hmm. and everything and Mm -hmm. and throw it out it can just lead to aggression this hostility um, verbal or physical you can become really tense and like physically overwhelmed so let's say you're dealing with someone like that someone's in your face or you're dealing with someone who's either passive aggressive or or outwardly aggressive how would you manage that in the moment 
usually you would try to detach. You would try to... I've got this talent of seeing things from other people's perspective. I already have, always have. And if somebody is really angry or venting, they're usually not venting at you. Unless you know you've specifically done something <laughs> wrong to them. Then, right. of course, mm-hmm. you take the punishment. <laughs> <laughs> right. But no, if, if they're really angry, just think to yourself immediately, where is that coming from? What's happened to them to put them into that state? Because it may just be that they've stubbed their toe on something and they've walked around a corner and they've seen you and they're really angry because they've stubbed their toe on something. Yes. Um, so try as hard as you can just not to react. Mm-hmm. Detach from the situation and take the emotion out of it. Think logically. Um, emotions, they're great when they're working well. But there's also the bad emotions, the anger, the yes. guilt, the frustration, sadness, sorrow. And they lead to a whole heap of different symptoms, anger being one of them. Mm-hmm. So this, this person is fighting a battle you don't know about. So if you go up against them with anger, you just, you're like two fists coming together. There's yes. just no resolution. You're hitting your heads together. Right. It, I mean, it reminds me off the top of my head of uh, the martial art Aikido, where an opponent's aggression is used against them because you basically go with their flow and direct them in a different way and it's the same with anger you can you can not let it hit you but you can realize that it's not there specifically pointed towards you and it in a way you're kind of sidestepping you're thinking okay this person's in some kind of strife let me help them what can i do to resolve it they might just need somebody to talk to quite often that's the case Um, if something else is going on you can help them seek professional help or like i said before just Having someone there to talk to, knowing that they've got some kind of support system, mm-hmm. it can often diffuse the situation. Um, if it goes physical, just get out of there. Right, absolutely. Even even as a martial artist, we're taught, just get out of there. Mm-hmm. Do what you need to do, but just get out of there. Well, and no no conflict conflict is better than some conflict. Exactly. And I, <laughs> I, I love what you have to say about really deflecting and detaching and being able to take a step back, take a deep breath, really assess the situation logically, see what's going on. Because we also know that that anger is covering up the root emotion of fear. And so if you can get at the core of what's really going on, like you said, you can possibly even transform the entire situation. That's right. Absolutely right. Um, Most of these outbursts, they're coming from, like I mentioned before, some trauma event or some fear that's placed inside them. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have it doesn't have to have anything to do with what they're actually angry about. It's they may have gone through some fearful situation and it's dented their own self-esteem or their self-worth or their confidence so they put up almost like a, an angry facade so mm-hmm. people can't see the weakness behind it. It's traditionally behind bullies. They're, they're acting out something, trying to control a situation because they can't control something else in their life. So they they try to control something they can do. And in, in a bully's case, it's exert themselves on other people, exert their anger on other people, mm-hmm. um, try to control other people. But where in actual fact, it's because they can't control something that's happened to them. And it is often the case. Yes, Before absolutely. you react, try count, <laughs> count to five before you react or count to ten before you have an outburst yourself. Right. And it's usually enough to just dif- diffuse the situation. Very good. Great advice. Let's talk about depression. This is 
another really challenging struggle for so many. And in fact, it can be the root of addictions or anxiety or insomnia or physical maladies. And here in the United States, it's very common for the go-to treatment to be pharmaceutical. Basically, we're going to put, put people on meds and we're going to move on. And I agree there are some situations where medication even temporarily can assist. But in reality, meds are covering up the symptoms rather than really getting at the root cause. And so, Richard, I'd love for you to talk to us about some types of depression and how people can get out of that negative cycle and live life again. Yeah, it's it's a very common psychological disorder. Very, very common. Um, and quite a lot of the population um, suffer from it in various different countries. It could be as many as like um, one in 10 people in the entire population uh, suffer from it at some point in life. It's astonishing. And it can just absolutely turn your life around, all these different symptoms that it can fuel. Um, major depression, it's the most severe type. It's, it's where all the symptoms seem to be present at any one time. Um, everything, at least five of the most common uh, symptoms that are present at the same time for like a, a couple of weeks or more. And you can get the smaller types or leading into depressions. There may be bipolar disorder um, where people, they almost go on a roller coaster ride. They, they're really high and up one day and then the next day it's all catastrophe and everything's bad. Sometimes that can even go hour to hour. And that can be partly a chemical imbalance. So, so I would never kind of say to people, come off the drugs if you've been prescribed them. Right. But I would often say, go see a therapist at the same time as a GP. Exactly. Because, yeah, I'm not qualified to talk about the drugs or anything like that. I just know I've read the packs and the packs say, yeah, this could treat depression, but it will also give you these 14 other symptoms. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, dear. That would ring alarm bells in my mind. No <laughs> doubt. The, I've had people come to see me with depression who have had it for decades and they've realized that it's because they've gone through similar traumatic experiences when they were, when they were younger. And once we've dealt with those, they've, they've basically gone back to their GPs and taken themselves or weaned themselves off the medication. Wow. So it could be like a major depression or it could be slightly creeping into depression, um, Manic depression or just depressive episodes, postnatal depression. That's one that is, it's not very commonly spoken about, um, but it's something that well, people can go on and kill their babies yes. because they're suffering from it. Mm -hmm. And it's usually those, those women don't think they have this kind of support, although they become overwhelmed with everything, all these emotions. I mean, it's one of the most emotional times in a woman's life, Absolutely. if not the most emotional time. Mm -hmm. And there has to be more of a highlight around that. You, there's got to be some kind of support system, there, a big support system to say to women, it's okay to talk. It's okay to feel like this. You're not going to be labeled. Yes. It's a psychological disorder. It can be helped. Mm -hmm. But people tend to hide away. Right. And I've, I've found since moving to Australia, the, the, I don't know, the general consensus, especially with males over here. Oh, they're, they're all fine. It's all good. We don't need to talk about anything. Mm. It's all, yeah, brush it to the side. Mm. Um, but it's, there's, there's something like a one in 10 um, people with depression actually commit suicide over here. It's a massive mm. suicide rate. Wow. And all down to depression. So I'm, I'm hoping to kind of dive into that realm and put out some 
some handy hints, tips and blog posts around that and just get the word out around Australia. It's, that's yeah, that's great. It, that's that's something that's so needed and and so yes, good on you for doing that work because people need to be as you said, they need to know that they have a safe space to be vulnerable, that they can say that hey, you know, things aren't great. And it, it, part of the struggle with depression though is when people are in depression, it's really difficult for them to even reach out or to to yeah. seek help. So yeah, you, you lose your appetite, mm-hmm. you lose your sleep patterns, um, you usually lose energy, you just feel constantly pessimistic, nothing's going to change, it's it's this catastrophe cycle, mm-hmm. this resilience or lack of resilience, um, and it builds into this psychological disorder. But you you take even the tiniest step towards some kind of goal, and it just starts this momentum. Yes. Tiny steps every single day, and having some kind of support system. Yes. I mean, people who aren't qualified to deal with depression, um, friends and family, they can still just be there for you. Right. And, and, if, and if you, I would ask sorry, that – I was just – sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say I would ask that that because people, when they're suffering from depression, are uh, oftentimes just completely helpless, really, that I would I would ask – friends and family to take note and to intercede and to seek out, uh, even talking to you or talking to someone to make that first step for their loved one. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to say is if people aren't um, qualified in talking about depression, sometimes just being there. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you know this person, if you're a friend or it's a family member, you can see a change in their behavior. You'll know it. Yes. And they'll usually become isolated or withdrawn. Um, Just be around them do things for them, um, sometimes without even asking. Just pop around, see how they're doing, uh, maybe do some housework or washing up for them. Just yes. having somebody around, it usually makes people feel better, even if you're not talking about the depression. Maybe ask them to come out with you for a walk. No strings attached, nothing untowards or anything, not mentioning the subject, mm-hmm. but just being with them, interacting with them, because it's 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 a common fact that you you tend to take on some of the personality traits of the people who you spend your time with. And it's why, especially in the entrepreneur field, you surround yourself with the the five best people that you can, the five most motivating people you can. And you tend to soak in their energy. Now, just being around people in that low state, you can provide some of that energy. You can give them different things to look forward to. Um, even if it's not specific help with the depression itself, it's just a change. It might be a distraction from their mundane, everyday existence. Mm-hmm. And and just that little step in the right direction can spark this huge, momentous change. So just help people. Be them. Be there for them. Support them. Fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about phobias. Now, we've got some really common phobias. We've got some really strange phobias. And there are a lot of approaches to handling phobias, even looking at past lives and karmic patterns. But regardless of the cause, do you have a way to help people break through these crippling fears around phobias? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's something that can be done very fast. Um, I've, I've broken through a phobia in about 20 minutes before. Wow. Uh, actually, no, 15 minutes. Uh, a little six-year-old girl. Uh, chronically afraid of spiders, absolutely petrified, would almost be sick when she thought of spiders. And this is a six-year-old girl. So we found out that um, this had come from transference because her mum and her sister were the same. Uh. Not not quite as bad, but every time a spider walked into the room, mum would be petrified, sister would run around screaming. The little girl thought that was the behaviour and she became petrified. So a phobia started. 
I told her uh, what was basically a bedtime story. Um, and I gave her mum this bedtime story just to tell her over the next couple of days. And it basically reframed this notion of a spider into this little cartoon character that was lost and lonely. And it wandered into your room when, uh, day or night and it was looking for its mum. It was just really lost. And then just to imagine this this spider walking in really sad and lost. And maybe the spider had Wellington boots on, mm-hmm. the, the welly boots for splashing in puddles. Yeah. Or one of them was missing. So he was looking for his wellies and he was looking for his mum. And I just basically got this spider and reframed it into this emotional, uh, almost like a, you feel sorry for them. Um, and the little girl was, oh, yeah, where's the spider's mum? Let's go help the spider's mum. And she took on that kind of mindset. And a couple of days later, after seeing this girl for 15 minutes, uh, I got a call from my mum. And she called me and said, she's actually out in the garden now. And she's playing with this little money spider, letting it run around on her hand. <laughs> wow. And it's, it's those kind of moments that just get you. And you yes. think, yeah, I've, I've helped that person. And just by the fact that she's now not afraid of that, it might help her not be afraid of other things. And to realize that sometimes if you just change the way you think about things, the phobia can break down on itself. And the little girl's doing really well in school. She's just fantastic. Yay. <laughs> That's wonderful. So it's, it's sometimes these things just need reframing because uh, phobias definitely, mm. they've usually come from a, a trauma event yes. or transference. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't know why you're afraid of these things. But if you can just reframe mm-hmm. and and again, take the emotions out of it, step back and just look at it, how this tiny little spider's running across the room. Why are you freaking out? <laughs> <laughs> right. it's, I mean, if you're really cruel, you could go step on the spider, but Absolutely. you don't want to. You just want to help it. Get a glass over it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Australia, it's different. The spiders can eat you over here. <laughs> right, right. I was just, I was thinking, hmm, yeah. I've, seen some, I've seen some photographs yeah. of spiders in Australia, <laughs> and I'm thinking blowtorch comes yeah. to mind. But... You, you're told to leave them well alone over here because they get, they get milked for venom. <laughs> But that's the difference between a fear and a Mm -hmm. phobia. A fear keeps you alive because you are in danger. A fear is healthy. It's Mm. self-preservation. A phobia is when you react over the top and sometimes you don't even know why you're doing it. That's Mm, that's the difference. That's a great distinction. So, Richard, what what advice can you give to someone suffering from low self-esteem or low self-confidence? Wow. Um, Determine the difference between them. Because there is a difference between self-confidence and self-esteem. If you imagine self-confidence as being almost like uh, a superhero cape that you can put on or um, a a suit of armor that you can put on, you can wear this confidence whenever you need to and you can take it off when you come home again. Um, Self-esteem is how you estimate yourself. It's how you rate yourself. And that's the one that can be or it can happen uh, as like a knock-on effect from something when you were young. Most of these things come from when you're young, mm-hmm. um, where you you haven't been able to do something properly or not as well as you think you should have, or somebody's said something bad to you, and you start believing that you're not this worthy person. You're, you're not as good as this person. You start comparing. And then it steps onto, oh, what will other people think? And oh, everybody's looking at me, and it's this low self-esteem uh, creeps into a self of low self-confidence. 
So just learn to believe in yourself. I mean, I put various blog posts up on handy hints and tips as to how to bump up your confidence, bump up your self-esteem. And some of the best ways is to model other people. Uh, Get a picture in your mind of someone who has successfully achieved what you want to. And whether that's something, uh, I don't know, in the sporting arena or something in a business arena, see how they've done it. Maybe they've written a book. So go read the book and then see exactly how they've done it, the decisions they've made. And one of the exercises that I get people to do is imagine stepping into that person's body and running through life as if you were them. Almost like acting as if you were them and see how they say things, how they do things, the reactions, how assertive they are. And go out into the real world as an actor. Take on that persona. You are really you, but you're just acting as they would act. And sometimes that is enough just to give you that little breakthrough that you need to go on and perform or to to beat your previous record Mm -hmm. in the case of world champion sports stars. That was the case. Uh, I love that. The the celebrities and the X Factors, um, usually what I do is I get them into a really calm mindset. And you can usually put them into this state of calmness and have them remember something that was absolutely fantastic feeling. And you can lock it in with a physical movement. Um, usually ones with the singers, the performers, I get them to nip their finger and thumb together. And when they do this physical action, it takes them straight back to a a massively powerful, good memory that they've had throughout their life. So as soon as they do that physical movement, wherever and whenever they are, their brain instantly kicks into this motivated, good feelings flooding their body. Mm, It's like a play on muscle memory. Yeah, it is, exactly. Mm -hmm. And when they hold a microphone, they're nipping their finger and thumb together. So it's perfect for when they're singing, they go into this state of feeling fantastic and they go out and perform. Um, I'm sure you've heard of the the British singer Robbie Williams. He had hypnotherapy to do the same thing because he had really low self-esteem. He could walk out onto stage and perform to millions of people. But as soon as he came off the stage... It's like he didn't realize who he was. He, he didn't think he was worth anything. And he, he went into depression. So wow. he actually had some hypnotherapy and he's, he's worked wonders with him. It's fantastic. Wow, that is fantastic. Let's talk about something else fantastic. This is really super exciting. Now, you have something that you call Fem Power or Fem Powerment. Oh, yes. yes. And yes. <laughs> uh, this is geared toward women and helping them smash through any personal or professional glass ceiling. And I understand you helped your own wife battle through her own professional glass ceiling. So I'd love to hear more about that. And, yeah. and then we'll dive some more into the actual process of it. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, Yes, the majority of my clients back in the UK were women. They were of a certain age bracket and they were corporate women. And they, whether through low self-esteem or low confidence or whether they'd just come back to work after having a baby perhaps or whether they'd just run into some kind of blocks at work. It could be sexism uh, or it could be just people not not treating them how they should be treated uh, as equals. And these women were coming to me facing all these different kind of difficulties. And I knew I could help them. And I did go through step-by-step processes to help each and every one of them. But then it happened to my wife. And that's where it really hit home. Mm. I thought, I've got to do something about this. And she 
she never kind of came to see me on a professional level, but she was always aware of what I was doing, how I was treating people, the suggestions that I would give to people. Mm-hmm. And when my wife went back after having our um, little girl, she was treated as a mum. Instead of going back, uh, and she was uh, in a senior management level, so she was a power woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went back and was seen as the mum. Oh, you've got different priorities now. We're not going to give you this work. We're not going to trust you to do these big projects. Wow. And little by little, it just really badly damaged her confidence, her ability to do things, her her self-esteem, like we just spoke about. Mm-hmm. And I saw the signals and I saw her start heading towards depression. I thought, no, 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 <laughs> we've got to nip this in the bud. Mm-hmm. So I, I came up with this package that I now offer to people. It's Fempower. That's the name I've come up with it. And it's all about empowerment for women. And it basically teaches you how to de-stress, lose the stress and anxiety, lose the emotional baggage, um, lose any symptoms that come from the emotional baggage. And they can be obsessive compulsions or they can be weight symptoms or smoking addictions, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. It, it then goes on to boost your confidence, your self-esteem, then goes on to boost any kind of assertiveness, body language, leadership skills, mm-hmm. smart goal setting, motivation, and then balances it out right at the end. So you you then create your own work-life balance. And I've tailored it into this kind of eight-week package. Um, and yeah, I just want to empower as many people. Mm-hmm. And I put the idea out um, in Brisbane the other day, uh, just a couple of days ago. Um, and I've already got 59 women signing up to it, saying they're mega interested in this. Outstanding. So I know it's, and I've been interviewed all over the world now mm-hmm. um, with this kind of package. I just want to help as many people as I can. That's so, so wonderful. And now, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, though. I, I read through this before interview, and I have to say, you have some sage advice around the concept of Fempower that's actually great advice for men as well. So I know it's geared toward women, and of course, Fempower. But when I was reading it, I was like, well, this actually could apply to men and women. Yeah, yeah. It's mostly the advice I give. It's common sense. It really is common sense. But when you're seeing something from, let's say, an emotional point of view, the emotions can get in the way of mm-hmm. that logic. And that's what I've found uh, through the different modalities that I've combined. The the logic part comes from the CBT, the cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. where you clearly understand that A leads to B leads to C, and you, you see this logical progression. Mm-hmm. And you usually determine that the emotions are the things that are leading you astray. So you take the emotions out of it, and you can you can apply it to anybody. But I, I focus focused on the women's stuff because particularly with my wife's case it mm-hmm. was when she went back after having the baby and so there's there's the there's the likelihood of any kind of postnatal depression or stress or influx of emotions because of the pregnancy itself mm-hmm. or latent emotions after that kind of period where the women are transitioning back into work mode and so they don't necessarily want to leave the baby. They're, they're thinking that, oh, I'm a bad mom, I'm leaving my baby. Right. But I also need to return to work to fuel whatever I'm interested in. So they have this kind of oh, yin and yang fighting in their own mind. Mm-hmm. So when they, when they iron out all the stress, release all the emotional baggage that they're pent up, and they see that, yeah, you're a fantastic mom, you're doing amazing, but you can also be this person as well. And you can learn to balance out your time, become more productive, which means you can work faster and learn faster. 
Um, mm. Usually people who go through the program, they end up absolutely smashing any goal because they're doing it with less stress. Ah, nice. And when, you, when, you, when you're less stressed, you, you're able to step back and see things more logically and start to tune into certain goals and plan your attack. Mm-hmm. When you're stressed, you've got this blinkered, blinkered approach and you can't see everything else and you're trying to deal with it all at once, but you just can't do it. Absolutely. I have experienced so, that myself. <laughs> yeah, it's very common. Mm. But, so, but yeah, to get back to the initial one, men can, men can use this advice as well. It is good advice. Fantastic. Now, Richard, you have quite a few free gifts for listeners. And one of my favorites is the Crackophobia. I love that. (laughs) Crackophobia, seven-day elimination challenge. So share with our listeners what that's all about. It's basically a way to crack your phobia, to get rid of it in seven days. And it's absolutely free. <laughs> Yay. Some of my some of my greatest successes back in the UK and the stuff that has put me into global press has been my help with people on getting rid of phobias. And they've been fairly fast and relatively easy to do. And I thought, because I'm basically narrowing in at the minute and providing packages for certain demographics, mm-hmm. I want to give away something for free. So, And I didn't want it to be just... Uh, well, I do give away the smaller things like MP3s and e-guides and stuff, but I wanted it to be big and really meaningful and global. So I thought, crackophobia, seven-day elimination challenge. You sign up for it. It's absolutely free. And you go through a seven-day process of learning how to relax, learning how to get rid of emotional baggage, then learning the confidence techniques, the phobia release techniques, and then using almost like super conscious projection where you imagine something happening in the future of you being absolutely phobia free. And your mind gets used to this notion of having no phobia. And when it when it's then introduced in real life to the initial phobia situation, your mind has learned how to behave in this new way. So it tends to kind of just stop. It's fantastic when wow. you see it happening. Uh, somebody who would run out of a room screaming when they saw, I don't know, let's say cotton wool or baked beans. Right. Right. <laughs> they then see them and they think, oh, yeah, I've no need to be afraid of these anymore. Nothing's going to happen. Fantastic. Um, so I wanted to give that out there for free. Excellent. It's, yeah. And and you, as you mentioned, you do have some free MP3s. Uh, one of them is a free stress buster, which is wonderful. And yeah. uh, you also have a free 25-minute rapid change skype or phone consultation so share with our listeners what they can expect in that consultation well the um i think all three of these links are on the first page of my website great the 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 free mp3 like you said it's a 20 minute relaxer just download it listen to it not while you're driving (laughs) while you're operating any machinery Uh, just pop some headphones on sit on your sofa relax and listen to it it tells you how to get rid of stress and motivation when it bumps up your motivation sorry Um, Yeah, the 25-minute rapid change consultation or a strategy session, uh, it's one-to-one with me, Skype or the phone. It basically gives you a vision for your success. So you you get to know exactly what you want and where you're heading and what you need to do to make it happen. I try to break it down and goal set with you. And usually holding you back, there might be some challenges, there might be some trauma that you've been through. I'll be able to identify that and say, yep. That's the cause of some emotional baggage, and that can lead to this and lead to this, and that might slow you down. And basically, I'll tell you off the top of my head how you can change it. I give you any hints, tips, or advice I can, 
And obviously, if you want to go ahead and make some of the changes, you may have to book in with me. But often, people just take the advice, run with it, and they already start to change. It's fantastic. So if people have deeper rooted issues, of course, they can come and see me. But if I can help you just get your life on track and just by the advice I'm giving you, then, hey, I've helped someone. I'm giving out that kind of that kind of karma and hopefully it may come back. Excellent. But you basically speak to me. You get to know how you what you want to do, how you want to do it. And we make an action plan and then you can go off and do it or you can get my help to go off and do it. And Out- it's free. <laughs> outstanding. Okay, so so for those who really resonated with you tonight and your message, Richard, how can they reach yeah. out to you and find out more about what you have to offer? The the easiest way is to visit my website. That is www.mind, and that's spelt M-Y-N-D, mind.works. It's, uh, it's a one of the crazy new suffixes. So it's not .co.uk or .com, it's mind.works. And you will basically find everything on that website. There's links to the FemPower, there's links to Crackophobia, there's the the free consultation, there's the free MP3 download. Uh, The blog section is packed, absolutely packed with hints and tips and freebies. I just want it to be a a website that just gives, gives value left, right and centre. And if it helps change your life, Tell me about it. That's all I ask. Fantastic. And if you, need, if you need some help, I'm here to help. Well, Richard, I so appreciate you spending time with us this evening. And as I mentioned, we barely scratched the surface of all, <laughs> of, all of the wonderful information and insight you have. So I'd love to have you on the show again in the future and, and kind of dive into some of the other topics we didn't even begin to talk about tonight. Uh, but again, thank yeah. you so much for being here. Absolute pleasure. My pleasure entirely. Transpersonal Radio listeners, make sure you do go visit Richard's website. I will make sure to include that in the show notes so that you can find that and take advantage of the free Stress Buster MP3 download and check out the seven-day elimination challenge for crackophobia if you have any phobias you want to get rid of. And if you feel so inclined, do spend some time and and do the Skype consultation or the phone consultation and uh, get some insight from Richard directly. He has so much to offer. And, and you know, it, again, I'm really excited about the guests that I have on the show because we really have high-quality, high-quality guests who are here to give of their time, of their insight, and, and just really appreciate them. So, again, visit the website, get the information, and until next week... Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Trans Transpersonal Radio. If you'd like to suggest a future future topic or be a guest, visit transpersonalradio.com. Call the hotline at 619-800-6057 or like our page, facebook.com slash transpersonalradio.